I feel like on this episode I can go forever, right? It's like it's the it's the party episode. I could just keep doing that, and that's all we need for this, right? Yeah, you just have to keep going. What do you mean party? Like the, like this is like the this is a sound related to parties and hype, and I feel like we're like it's Adam's unofficial uh, bachelor party. Oh, is that what this is? In my head. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first I've heard of that. Yeah, I think I talked to Jackson about it, but <laughs> yeah, surprise, I, no, I think I overheard it at our show, and um, I wasn't quite sure what y'all were talking about. Who's Adam? <laughs> Sorry, album. 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 Yeah, come on, uh, guys. Did we even introduce ourselves? Are we done? Are we done introducing? No, ourselves? but everybody knows us at this point, right? Morning. Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I'm Jackson. That was a. I was trying to go for an uh, Andrew WK accent, and then I really I got scared as soon as I started. Oh, why? <laughs> why were you trying to go for an Andrew WK accent? Yeah, why What's that, that about? What the fuck? What? What? That's super random. Yeah, we're doing uh, LMFAO's party rock anthem this uh, week, <laughs> and we're going to go excruciatingly in detail. <laughs> I don't know. Why Why? Why would I mancher, mention um, Andrew Fetterly Wilkes Cryer? Oh, man, we will get into that name later. Good. I, I did not know there was a story other than, like, you don't want to have your... Um, stage name be wilkes crier that 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 seems like a mouthful so what (laughs) hagan do you have something to start us off on here yeah so uh here here's a quote um from andrew wk uh about he did an interview i watched where the the person asked him uh what's inspiring him writing his music and he said same thing as always internal and external euphoric joy i mean i can't think of any reason someone would listen to music other than to feel that way i'm trying to deliver a jolt of good feeling not just a good mood or a good idea a good physical sensation the butterflies in the stomach the chills up the spine the goosebumps up uh, up your arm the unshakable feeling that this feels good and i heard that and i was like he gets his music he gets it <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, meanwhile, I'm wearing a fucking Radiohead t-shirt, so I don't think that coincides there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're talking about Andrew W.K. and specifically his debut album, I Get Wet. Um, And, you know, a little bit before we get into exactly who Andrew W.K. and what this album is, um, the reason we picked this is because we had decided, hey... We need to pick something as positive as possible. What's a positive album we could listen to for a deep dive while we're waiting election results? Little did we know, because we thought we were going to be in December when we found out, but luckily, uh, you know, things are already seeming positive, so let's keep the positive train going, and we're going to listen to Andrew W.K.'s debut album, I Get Wet. So Andrew W.K. is he's a Michigan-raised American rock singer, multi-instrumentalist. Mostly you see him play a piano and sing. He's also one of those guys who's like a cartoon character and wears only one outfit. And I think that's almost ingenious because he did, after uh, years in the 90s playing in bands in Michigan, decided uh, that he was going to move to New York City to actually, you know, just try his hand and like just like go headfirst into it. 
And I've been thinking about it now that people do, I, I wouldn't say that he's like, you know, a household name, but he, you know, he's well known among musicians. I, I think most people I know know about him, even if they don't know his music. And I think it's kind of ingenious now that I think about it, this outfit that he wears, he wears a white t-shirt and white jeans and they're almost intentionally dirty. Like they have, they're like slightly smudged in like uh like black dust on them. And I think it's kind of ingenious because if you're in New York City and you saw somebody walk past you who looks like Andrew WK but isn't wearing that outfit, I bet you're not going to stop and think that's Andrew WK because you're so, it's so ingrained. So, I mean. That's a good but, point. I didn't think about that. That's so cool. If you like put his hair up because he has long, he typically has long hair. If he puts his hair up, puts on a sweater and some sunglasses, you wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, the only thing that goes against my point is he is a huge beefcake. This dude is just massive, and I feel like looks iconic when his hair is down. So I may be wrong, but that's kind of how I feel. Man, the the interviews I watched him in, he's just standing talking to like usually like smaller women, and he's just massive with like his biceps like bursting out of his short sleeve white shirt, and just like oh man. If you weren't who you are, you'd be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know how yeah. tall he is? Uh, no, but I think he's pretty tall. Yeah, I'm sure you can now. look at it. I, I've been in his presence once, but he was up on a stage, so it, it you can't really tell. He's 6'3". Yeah. He's 6'3". Jesus. Oh. That's not that tall. I mean, It's I'm tall when you consider how massive his biceps are. <laughs> yeah, Dave, also, we're 6'4", and people think that we're really tall. Yeah, I think you both are very tall. Yeah, you, you're definitely tall, but he he <laughs> looks way taller than us. Because yeah, he's a fucking beefcake. He's wear, jacked as fuck. Yeah, you, you got to wear a tight t-shirt. So before we get too deep into uh, his debut Hold album, on. I'm gonna I, I I can't I can't let that go. Adam thinks the key to looking taller is wearing a tight t-shirt. No, no, in his no. case, <laughs> no. In, if oh. I wear a tight t-shirt, it's like when there's just too much. Uh, cookie dough in the packaging <laughs> yeah like captain america like chris evans yeah oh we're talking about his dick again no, no not at all <laughs> no. jesus drop that i don't I, I i have to it's a hog it's too big i can't pick it up before we get into the actual music part of this did, uh, was anybody not familiar with andrew wk uh, his music in particular before Adam had you listened to uh, it before I had never like intentionally listened to a whole album or anything I'd heard some of the songs but that's about it yeah Dave uh, yeah same with Adam same as Adam I hadn't heard a full song or full album all the way through but I was very intrigued yeah and so I had uh, listened to him a little bit uh, I, I don't know maybe in high school or something because I had friends who were obsessed with him and I'm going to be honest, uh, first time I heard Party Hard and they talked it up so much, my friends did, I listened to it and I was like, I don't get it. This just seems like really generic music. And I really brushed it off for years. And I would say either this year or last year, it really clicked for me, Andrew WK as a musician. I had been a fan of his motivational speaking. And that's the, actually, I've never seen him live. I've only seen his uh him live doing his motivational speaking tours at a music festival. He showed up to a music festival and did not play 
a show, he just showed up and spoke. And I was like, and it was one of my favorite things. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I would say that I've definitely changed my stance on the music, which we'll get into. Hagen, what's your relationship with the man? Uh, being at Warp Tour and seeing like the coolest and biggest pit out of all of Warp Tour that year, which was like, it's not just it's not to like talk down to Andrew WK's music. It's just not. I mean, I guess you could expect to hear this at Warp Tour, but it's not what I was there to see. I was there to see like metal music and like heavy, heavy shit. And when you see the biggest pit is to this, you're like, well, I got I gotta know what this is about. And then you get in there and you watch it, and it's like it, it just feels like a fucking party, no matter what. It feels so good. So whatever year that was, I saw him at Warp Tour. Uh, I, I was very into him since then. Well, yeah, if you don't know what Andrew WK looks like or his shows look like, and you're confused why Hagen was uh, you know, baffled by this, the man plays a pizza guitar at one point in his set. So it makes sense that you would see this pizza guitar and like often will have like inflatable food thrown out, that kind of stuff. It's just... It's very much like it. It's kind of like not Yo Gabba Gabba, but what's that? Uh, is it Cuckoo Kangaroo? Which kind of yeah, Cuckoo, yeah, 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 Cuckoo Kangaroo, exactly. But it's like, yeah. it's also like it's a similar it's a similar effect that that happened to me the first time that I saw a ska pit because when you see a really good ska pit, it's like oh my god, what is this party I'm missing? I didn't realize this was a fucking like a great time. But the difference is, sorry, ska fans that goes away really quick. You get you 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 understand what's happening very quickly and you're like, "Oh, cool. I did this for a year and now I'm bored." Um but with Andrew WK, I could go see him play this first album and party hard for like the rest of my life. Cuz no matter what, he's going to make it a good party. It's going to be fun. The pit's going to be insane. And this is also one of those things where like I'm sure you do encounter assholes at the live shows. But I would imagine it's much less frequent than most other bands that have pits like this. Yeah, for sure. And another thing, too, is like uh, speaking on the image of the band as a whole, when you look at his live band, you look like you're about to hear some pretty hardcore metal or something like that. They're yeah. all wearing all black clothes except for him. And they have like, you know, mutton chops and huge beards and they're playing like metal guitars. And then it's just a party. Yeah, and he and and like he also gets billed with metal bands all the time. The the interview that I that I got that quote from, the end of the interview <laughs> the interviewer's like, "So, uh you're excited to play tonight. Uh you you play after Guar. So how do you how do you make a set list after that?" And he's like, "Oh, uh you don't. Like the show's over. Like I'm the after party. Guar's the headliner, I'm the after party." Yeah. He was on Ozfest too, which is yeah. really funny. Well, and here's a little fun fact that I was going to wait till later in the episode to bring up, but now is as perfect time as any. But his drummer um, is Donald Tardy, who plays in the Florida death metal band Obituary. And uh, Florida is this huge, like, it's interesting. Florida is this, like, uh, mecca for death metal music, much like uh, we talk about uh, Norway is like the mecca, uh, the mecca for black metal music. It's the same way for um, death metal in Florida. So it, it's pretty cool. And to from the very beginning to this day, uh, that is the same drummer. So when you talk about Andrew WK, yeah, he does have some rotating in lineup, but 
he does have, uh, I think, his bassist and his drummer are very much, they're integral to the band, they're with him. Uh, so it's definitely not just a singular like guy. It is very much a band at points. I think even his wife at one point went on tour with him as uh, like a hype person. Which is really yeah, I think fun from like watch. 2000, she played violin and was a hype person from, I think 2009 to 2018. But early on, before he had a band, he had a hard time acquiring a band and ended up just like going and playing solo shows and figuring out how to do that for the first two years when he first moved to New York. And he said he was like, I just said yes to every single gig that I was offered, no matter what it was. There's videos of him playing and what for our Denton. Uh, audience what looks like a j and j's basement uh but he's playing in new york city and it's just like it's a keyboard and it's not like a nice keyboard it's one of those ones that probably has speakers on the side of it um and he's just sitting there head banging playing a keyboard and it's it's bizarre seeing that but it also makes sense when you know what becomes of it and um you know to kind of kick off the album itself talking about uh us not really or me writing it off for years and not really and Hagen also seeing it and not understanding what it was from the get-go there's a and I've mentioned it before because I think it's so funny Pitchfork originally gave this album a 0.6 out of 10 (laughs) They gave that when it first came out in 2002, or they gave it in 2002, right after it had come out. Yeah, it was released November 3rd in 2001. It was released, I thought it was November, it was November 13th, because guess what? Guess what? That, it came out on my seventh birthday, November 13th, 2001. So, in, in case you haven't heard me talk about the Pitchfork article uh, I will let you guys all guess, uh, or all the fans, I'm going to keep you all guessing till the end of the episode and let you know what 10 years later in 2012 they ended up giving it. So I say we get into the music. And as I said, this album came out in November 13th, 2001, which was my seventh birthday. If you look at the, the charts around that time, he is way out of left field. So as as much as it sounds um, very mainstream, that was not the mainstream for rock and roll. We have all the all the butt rock bands and just stuff like that was going on. So this is like no wonder. I mean, it what wasn't was Green Day well doing at the time? Because that's my that's like a, a Green Day is a good like kind of compass for Barometer. me for like yeah for like alternative rock music. Which I wouldn't say that this is alt rock, but it, it's kind of same fans at some time. So. Finding out what Green Day is doing uh, in 2000. It definitely seems like a weird a weird album at that time for this kind of music to be popular. They I don't... came out with Warning in 2000. So that was the one where they got shit on by uh, the fans, but not the critics. So, okay, that's where we were. This is a pre-American Idiot. And, uh, you know, this actually, this is not a joke because it does uh, factor into at least one of the songs. It is directly after 9-11 and he was had already moved to new york city and was living there i don't know how long but probably you know at least a year or so enough to like i mean you don't have to be a new york city native for that to affect you but the fact that he lived in the city when that happened um this album peaked in the u.s billboard 200 
at 84, which, you know, doesn't, it may not sound great, but when you're talking about, you know, a relatively unknown, uh, and this is your debut album, I mean, I'll take it. That uh, That's good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it for sure. Part yeah. of the, the sound of that was from the producer guy named John Fields. I looked up his, uh, his credits. He's worked with, this is just a few of the names that I wrote down that I think would be funny to list. Uh, the Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, Corey Wong, Jimmy Eat World, Goo Goo Dolls, All Time Low, Backstreet Boys, and the Commodores. <laughs> That's crazy. That's Did wild. you say Switchfoot? Did you say Switchfoot? No, I didn't put them on the list, but yeah, Switchfoot was there too. <laughs> He's like their regular producer, apparently. I saw that, and I was like, do I mention it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. It's interesting because I mean, not only not only does the I mean, like of course it's good how well it did for a debut, but it makes like more than more than enough sense that it didn't do well just by the album art. I mean, who the yeah. fuck is gonna buy that album art and expect to hear this song? I, the crowd that's gonna see that al- that album art, especially because like we talked about, I mean, and, and everybody knows in two thousand one, you're not gonna like you, you you can't go to YouTube or Spotify and hear a song before you buy it. Right. So you have to either get lucky enough to hear it somewhere or just go off of, you know, word of mouth or an album art or whatever. It might have helped them if it actually said I get wet. Yeah. On the album I mean, cover. That too. I, I, I it, it like that album cover is so it, it stands out to be what like not not at all what you expect that album to sound like. Yeah. And, and it's so, iconic at this point. So it I is. mean, it doesn't matter who does it, but I know. Probably all of us know the story behind the photograph. Hagen, do you want to take it? No, nah, you got it. All right. So the album artwork, if you don't know it, it, I mean, we'll probably have it in the show notes right here, but if, if you say, can't see it. It's right in front of you on your phone if you're listening. Yeah. But uh, if you're driving, uh, Andrew WK's debut album, I Get Wet, it is a picture of Andrew WK with a bloody nose and i'm not talking about like oh just out of one nostril like it is like it looks like he got the shit beat out of him so the story of this and it's pretty iconic at this point um he wanted that bloody nose for the picture and he looks like he's kind of it looks like his hair is kind of wet and you know and not like wet from like rain like probably from like grease and sweat and stuff uh but what he did is he took a brick and smashed his nose like he broke his nose and it started bleeding and they took some photos and he said oh it it wasn't bleeding enough so what they ended up doing is i think him and the photographer ended up going down the street to a butcher and got some uh blood from the the meat at the butcher and they uh put like i think i don't know if they said it was pig's blood but it was some type of blood to kind of make it look worse than it was so apparently if you smash your nose in, it doesn't do uh, enough blood to look cool. But what was really interesting, the last thing I'll say about it, is it caused controversy in uh, Europe, not because it was like, oh, this is really gruesome and we just don't like this. It caused controversy because it was seen to represent cocaine abuse and uh, I guess violence as well. But I, I I thought that was pretty interesting. I I never even thought about that when I saw it. I always just saw it as like, dude, this guy got the shit beat out of him. Right, and the the photographer's name was Roe Etheridge. And it's also important to note that that at at live shows he uh, is in like covered in blood sometimes. Like that's a that that's not just a, a one time thing. 
And I'm pretty sure yeah. that he had he has shirts made with the, the you know the white the iconic white shirt, but it just has like a blood stain on it that's printed onto the shirt, which is like such a good merchandise idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, Andrew WK has taken you know this uh, personality he's cultivated with this music and made it this brand. And I I don't mean that as like a dirty word. Like he is really like a Jack White has seen, okay, this is my brand and I really just need to go for it because it's what people like, the minimalism. But for Andrew WK, it's the like, it's the white attire, it's the positivity and it's the heavy music with positivity. So I think now is as good a time as any to go into the music. This album is 35 minutes long. Um, that is, it, that's a breeze for an album. I mean, that I, I was shocked when I found that out because I've listened to this over this whole year. Just to, I mean, in 2020, I'm trying to stay positive, and this has been one of my go-to albums. And I was shocked when I found that out. I, sorry, I would say that uh, if if it were longer than that, uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be helpful. Yeah, I, I expected it to be a little bit longer, but I was certain it wasn't going to be one of the longer albums that we've done because it just these kinds of you know, this kind of music just doesn't lend itself to that. Yeah. So I, I just want to, um, and nobody look at the track list right now, but here, Adam, how many out of the 12 songs, what percentage do you think have the word party in the title? 95%. I don't know. It's a lot. It's only, tw- it's only 20, 25%, but 25%, that's four songs on your debut album that have party in the title so his it's, his it's brand is party album. yeah no not at all um <laughs> but his brand is partying and the first thing whenever this album starts and uh it is heavy music uh, i would call this music hard rock borderline heavy metal and when i say heavy metal i mean kind of like a like a black sabbath not kind of like a slipknot metal um but i mean we all know genres are hard uh I mean, it's at least got a heavy metal influence to it. Absolutely, yeah, or like yeah. like dance, like disco metal. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be good. Um, but what really stood out to me immediately the first time I heard this was the use of piano and heavier music. Like Andrew WK plays a lot of instruments, but he's really well known for having just a piano and just like he's just hitting it, and it's just it, it's nuts. I mean. I I don't know of any other music that sounds like this that has that use of piano. And I'm not talking about, we're not talking about like it's Mozart or some shit like that. But it is a prominent instrument, whereas you typically think in stuff like this, it's going to be the guitars and some type of screaming. So I think we can just start by the intro track, It's Time to Party. Um it's a minute and a half. I did not know it was a minute and a half until I looked at it right now, but it's a jam. I, I love the song. I have no complaints about it. It really sets the tone from the get-go. If you listen to this minute and a half song and don't like it, you're going to hate the rest of the album. So I guess that's a good, you know, it's a good tester. If you listen to this minute and a half song and don't want to hear Party Hard directly after it, then uh, something's wrong with you. Cause yeah, I, something's I, I, broken. I really yeah. think that this is one of the only albums that we've covered where I, I I think that Shuffle is okay, except for those two points for those two songs. This is this is an album that I became uh, I I I, like I said I, I I listened to it a lot 
many years ago, uh, but I found that the most that I listened to it was when I put it in playlists and just put the playlist on shuffle and just went for it. I mean, like this, the, the, these songs are great as an album, but they work in, in shuffle in a random order mixed with other stuff. They're, they're no matter what, except for it's time to party and party hard. They need to be right there. <laughs> <laughs> it kicks off on such a high note that it's like really immediately makes me want to party. <laughs> yeah. But I, what I started thinking was like you know, and trying to think more about analyzing it for this episode is his voice is at once like very original and also not really original. I don't know how to describe what I mean, but does that make sense? I mean, if you were to ask me what Andrew WK sounds like as a singer, I couldn't tell you because they've layered it so much. And that was intentional when it comes to the production. They talked about how they layered so many guitars and so many vocals and all this stuff. And the reason they did that was trying to make it sound like instead of, okay, well, here's four different players playing together. They were like, they wanted it to sound like one thing and this is the song. And to a large part, I disagree that that, uh, that, that worked. Do you, do, you, do you know why they wanted that? Do you know why Andrew WK wanted this? Because he can't we, sing. You know, his influence because, from "We Are the World." Yeah, because he because he was inspired by <laughs> "We Are the World," and he and he said he said that he wanted it to be like a powerful sound, like an orchestra. That's what he wanted. I love this man. That is the most like. If anybody else said that to me, I would yell at them. But that is the yeah. most Andrew WK thing I've heard today. Well, this so, guy, this yeah. guy is so he's so like about positivity and like living your life to the fullest extent and just get it. Like I mean, like you look at all the things he's done. That's about he's done motivational speaking. He's also a writer. I mean, this guy is all about positivity and living your life to the fullest extent. So when someone like that likes we are the world and is like that's my inspiration i'm like man he means it that's real <laughs> he means it that's, the, that's, one of the quotes that's... was that uh about the overdubbing was they wanted it to sound as party as we could make it sound oh i should also mention I feel that, like that uh, was the, the guiding like vision for the entire thing yeah yeah Just party but, the, the we're gonna keep saying the word party, but it is important to note that uh, Andrew WK did sign his soul over to the party gods. That is a real thing that he says. So he his soul belongs to the party gods right now. And I think really, when you're listening to the album, your soul does as well. You are you your soul in that moment belongs to the party gods. So when we're talking about that, what he's saying or him and the producer, whoever said it, that they wanted to sound like a party and they wanted it to sound like one instrument instead of multiple players. I really don't agree that it sounds like one single sonic instrument, but what I will agree what they had done in the effort of getting that is this is the biggest sounding album I can think of right now. Like it is just so big. It is like you, we make people make jokes about the Foo Fighters having too many guitars on it and too many layers of guitars. I guarantee you, this album has a hundred times more guitars than that. I have no idea what Andrew WK sounds like because he probably tracked his vocals maybe ten times, and it sounds like he it it. it if you were to listen to this music just like uh, an instrumental, you would think like, oh yeah, there's going to be screaming on top top of this. And yes, it's screaming, but it's also singing. I mean, there are genuinely screams in the background, but it, the first four songs on this album are just relentless. And I agree with Hagen that you could do this album in shuffle, um, 
but man, like I listen to this album and if I only have enough time to get through those first four songs, it will get me that energy boost that I needed. So Dave, you mentioned that you hadn't really ever listened to Andrew WK before this or listened to a whole album, but you just mentioned how like hard these songs like went. I mean, are you in a different space now with Andrew WK? Is this something like if you're in a bad mood and you think you could pick yourself up, would this be that for you? I think that would be a go-to. I did notice um, a couple of things that happened throughout this entire album that make me that, that kind of got me a little tired of it somewhat because I was doing it from a critical standpoint. If I were just cooking dinner or you know driving to a gig or something and put this album on, much like we did, like I did when I was on my way to the studio the other day with with Moniker. Uh, it really just got me excited and where you don't have to pay full attention to it and try to write a critique of each song, but definitely, um, you know, I love the piano playing on this record. One of the things you hear all the time is quarter notes in a higher register, just going bing, 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 bing. And it's like, that's all you need. It's so effective. It's so effective. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, uh, Party Hard is the song that most people know. I think that's probably his biggest song. It's really funny when he plays it live. It's typically his last song. And what he'll do is with the band, we'll start counting down from 100. And you think like, oh, he's not going to do the full thing. But he does the whole fucking countdown from 100 and then starts the song. And man, this song, this is the first song I heard, obviously. And as I said, like it just didn't jive with me the first time, but wow, I now hear this song and I, I just like genuinely want to get up and dance and I'm really not that type of person. It's it's such a feeling. I, I really don't know how to explain it. Like it just feels positive. It feels fun. And I would say that the whole album is that really. I think part of it is is the tempo that this song is at is right, right at like the perfect dancing tempo. And when I was listening to it this time, I was like, this is really exciting and I'm enjoying it. And, you know, if you're not a musician, you can appreciate how much fun it is to hear it. But as a musician, I found that, like, when I listened to it as a kid, I didn't understand how good the, the musicians were that played all these songs. Because the subtle little changes in the riffs that they do are, like, really, really cool to hear. So you can get lost in how much fun it is. But if you pay a lot of attention to it, it's actually really well done yeah adam listening to party hard you you are the resident uh stoic man you are a straight man um did this did listening to party hard make you want to move a little bit i mean i think you said it right (laughs) and that it's uh it captures the mood really well it feels like a kind of thing that if i you know i would be interested in seeing them live because i think this would be really cool to see especially if a big crowd which we can't really do right now but it seems like it's like it's it's music that's made for that yeah yeah i hadn't started missing uh live shows or regretting the shows that i hadn't seen until i was listening to this album and when we played south by southwest one year i was actually at one of his shows but i left early to go see another band and now I see clips from that show. Even in that documentary I sent the group text, there's a clip yeah, from the show. Yeah, they were at Cheer Up Charlie's, right? Yeah, and I was just like, damn it. I was there. That looks so fun. I feel like an asshole for missing it. And that's one of the only shows that I regret not sticking around for. 
Yeah, that I mean again, like the 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 first time that I saw him was an accident. It was not what I I mean, you know, you walk around Warp Tour cuz you're waiting for you're waiting for the in between. You're in the moments between the bands you're trying to see. And then there's Andrew WK just like it's 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 the perfect in between, but it also is the perfect like I was exhausted after that. I was like, "Man, I don't even know if I can make it to the next thing that I want to see cuz that was just too much." He does this great uh mic move where he takes the microphone that he's uh, has in his hand singing and he puts it in the front of his pants to where you can see it and like then he just does this like arm hammer move and starts headbanging and then he'll pick the mic back up to sing it's really funny and i don't even know if i explained it well but if you see it you'll be like oh that's what jackson's talking about <laughs> so uh in, in it's not i mean it's it's kind of in lieu of a game i i, I thought of this you know I, I mentioned to them i thought of this like right before we started uh, I, I could, I mean, there's, there's so many interesting things about Andrew WK. So, uh, this isn't really as much going to be a game as much of it is going to be a very interesting story time and an excuse for us to all take a shot because it's party time, right? We all party Adam's hard. Bachelor party. Adam's bachelor party. And we're all here to party hard. So this is the party hard conspiracy game, conspiracy story time, whatever you want to call it. So I'm going to read off multiple conspiracy theories about Andrew WK because holy shit, there are a lot. There are so many conspiracy theories about Andrew WK. So uh, <laughs> the first one, Jackson, you mentioned about his name at the very beginning. Uh, Andrew WK's name, Andrew Federley Wilkes Cryer. So the origin of this name and where it comes from is a very interesting tale. So according to an old bio, Andrew was named after a drunk driver turned drugstore cowboy turned murderer named Andrew Stevenson, who started calling himself Andrew White, who was then given the name, given the alias The White Killer by the Michigan police force tracking him down. Here's the actual quote from this old bio. Andrew's father was fond of this name, and as a chief officer on the police force, he named his son after the killer once they caught him and executed him in 1987. So, this, it, like, I guess the game is, do you believe this? Uh, because this is kind of insane. As a police chief, as a fucking police chief... They captured this killer, and he was like, oh, man, I like the name so much. I guess I'll name my son that. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, That's terrible. Uh, I'll say it's. I believe it. You believe it? Really? Or are you just saying that? I'm going I'm to guess that. It, I mean, it's he's a crazy guy, so. Okay. Adam? I mean, I'll, I'll guess there's some truth to that, but probably not the whole thing. So, no. Much like Andrew WK, I'm just going to go uh, head first and I'm going to believe it. So here's the, here's the thing. The reason that this can't be true is that Andrew WK was born in 1979. Okay, so, okay, so I, lo- I have that right in front of me and I didn't want to say anything. I was like, this doesn't add up, but I don't want to, just in case you got the year wrong, I didn't want to call you out on it. <laughs> Like, like it's still like unclear where this like I think that the like aspects of the story are true. Um, but so then then the conspiracy goes into goes into it further into saying that um the WK means more than just his name. Uh, it also because the the killer's name was the White Killer, so Andrew oh. WK the White Killer. Um, yeah, very, very, uh, uh, interesting. It, it, it goes, it goes pretty deep. All of these conspiracies I found, I was very shocked to see 
how deep they go. So this one is I I I didn't I didn't uh, look deep enough to see if his dad was actually like a police chief and that this that killer existed. Um, but regardless, I'll go ahead and believe that the killer existed, but Andrew is not named after that killer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say some stuff about him being related to John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that was where that was going to go actually, when you started off that. You know, that's not in the list. Let me see. Let me see if that does make exist a new one. now you said this, that. This podcast is the first to... I guess I'll, I guess I'll pour my shot because it's time to party. Well, hey, let's yeah. look at look. I'll show you. Look at this picture of John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, he's okay. got the he's got the curly hair. That looks like hair. the guitarist from Idols. Yeah. Oh, from that band that Hagen showed me. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one. So, getting getting back into the music, uh, the third track on this twelve track album is "Girls Own Love," and this was a song that uh, the first couple times I heard it, I was like, "Oh, this is just cheesy." And then I kind of listened to the lyrics. I was like, "Oh, it's not as cheesy as I thought." And then. I did the other um, the other uh, viewpoint of it and was like, just like I do on Party Hard, just vibe out to it. Let the emotion take over. And I was like, oh, this is actually a really catchy song. And it is the song that I cannot get out of my head now. And I just keep walking around saying, girls on love. I mean, how do y'all <laughs> feel on this song? I, I was listening to it uh, on a speaker in my living room and my fiance was like, this song is stupid. It sounds like kids bop at at points. It's like yeah, adult it kids bop. It's a very weird song in that regard. And it's uh, I was looking at the lyrics as I was reading along with it, and it lists a pre-chorus and a chorus, and they're the same, basically the same thing. And I'm like, there are two choruses in this song. Man, uh, so like uh, something that's really funny is his his lyrics are can be really on the nose, especially on this first album. And in that the the. 2012 pitchfork article they mention uh because they there was a vinyl release on the anniversary of this album and what came with it were like these demos and like stuff like that and they were just laughing because this is such a big album that you can't ever uh you can't ever imagine these songs being anything than what they are when you hear the recording but they just like they're always making these uh in the pitchfork article they're making these uh you know jokes of saying like i just love the idea of thinking of andrew wk hunched over an acoustic guitar writing party hard and then he's writing the lyrics um uh what is it uh fuck damn it yeah don't read the lyrics no, no, I got it. And he's hunched over the guitar and he's trying to figure out what he should say after I do what I like. And he's sitting there like, fuck, what is it? And it's like, oh, I do what I like and I like what I do. And like just this idea of him workshopping songs like this. And I don't know if it works like that for him, but wow, I love that. Could you could you imagine? Uh, Dave mentioned that Moniker was in the studio on Saturday, and 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 whenever we whenever we write a song, Dave and I tend to have this reaction of like, "It's a hit." Could you imagine writing those lyrics and then just go, "It's a hit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this my lyric book will be in Kong, in the White House someday. <laughs> well, it's it, it's interesting talking about how he writes the music. I I, I saw in an interview that he kind of talks about how like. Uh, it, it's it's really cheesy almost like the music comes to him and he doesn't like really write it so like he talked about like at a sound check he was he was playing something and it was a song he kind of already had written but it was in a different key 
and then he changed something else about it. But he didn't really. He's in in his mind and the way he tells the story. It's not like him consciously doing it. It's kind of like the music is just happening. Um, so I I think that a lot of time, and he says that he quickly has to go record it. He's like, okay, cool. I need to go find a place. I need to record this immediately, and then he just comes back to it later. Um, so in his mind, it's not like he's like he's got, he's not going through a process. I feel like a lot of people go through. It's very uh, again. I find it very cheesy, but I mean, he writes insanely cool music. So the very shoot from the hip. He just wants to party, get in that mode. I mean, it, he really is like uh, through and through, just a party. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like with this song was the na na section at the end. I'm not a big fan of sections like that. I agree with you most of the time, but on this song and this style of music, I just kind of think it fits. And for me, what that kind of, I saw him as like writing this song that he was just like, I like this song so much. And I think that this is so catchy that I don't want there to be an instrumental section. I want to keep singing and have this na-na section. And I was like, that (laughs) feels kind of genuine if you think of it that way. He's just so excited about it. Once again, I don't know if it's that way. But talking about uh, that shooting from the hip method, I mean, the Pitchfork article drives it home that this album and Andrew WK as a whole, are they just are what they are. Like, it is what it is. If you think it's cheesy, it is. If you think that this party uh, mentality that he has cultivated is a really, like, deep metaphor for a lot of the pains in life and all that kind of stuff, it is that. But it is also as simple as you want it to be. It's as deep as you want it to be. And I think that's really nice, especially, you know, as he gets on past this album and becomes like a motivational speaker and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, the thing about him, again, is that he's just a genuine person. I mean, he's he, he, nothing Nothing that he says or does comes from a place of ingenuity. I mean, it, 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 it's, all, it's all just who he is. And it's very incredible to have to like just be who you are, be a genuine person, and uh, have this kind of success. Have people listen to you. Have people, uh, I mean, take different kinds of meanings from your songs. And no matter what, he still means what he means, and you know it. You're never like you're never gonna argue with Andrew WK about what his song's about because he's gonna he's always gonna be like, "That's cool, man." Yeah, you I'm mean, glad like- you think that way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just glad you enjoy it. Let's let's party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because like again, I'm I'm gonna say this like probably a couple more times, but like if you want to, if you want to listen to to Andrew WK because of his lyrics, you're probably not gonna be a fan of him for very long. Other yeah, than yeah. like the chanting choruses, if you if you get that stuff stuck in your head, and it's really enjoyable, but like don't try to make sense of the message. Yeah, I found that's I a found powerful. A- that's sorry. That's a powerful song name, right? Girls own love, and the lyrics do not line up with that sentiment. It's like yeah, they really don't strange. deliver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. I I I read a I read a bio for a band last night, and it said lyrically driven music, and I was like, I read that. And my first thought was because I've been listening to Andrew WK. I was like, well, Andrew WK is the opposite of that. Yes. Unless unless you consider like the chantiness the lyrically driven, but that's I wouldn't say that's lyrically driven. I would say that's you know it's 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 chance. It's how chants work. It's not like a, a a chant is ever lyrically driven. The lyrics aren't the important part. It's the come together and let's have this moment. Yeah, most times chants are na-nas and woes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, I like the fourth song a lot, Ready to Die. 
it's very like very straightforward when it comes to its message and it's just talking about like you know we're ready to die we're gonna party so hard this is gonna be so epic that we're gonna die and that's just normal for us because we like doing that and it's which but it's funny it's funny to say that because the intro to this song sounds like the intro to a kid's tv show it's this weird like synth that do 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 and it sounds super cheap. It sounds like a kid's toy. And then it like you get a snare hit, like a very kind of classic, like job for a cowboy, like a whoop. Like you get one of those. And then it the band kicks in and it's just like guitars hitting that, a really heavy synth, just going to bam, 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 bam. It's so like it is just it is a hard it's almost a three minute song, but it's just pure adrenaline the whole time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels it feels like a kind of ridiculous song at some point. <laughs> in like a good way. Like it just he just goes for it and he's like, No, fuck you, this is what I want to do. Like Yeah. The, the, this 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 song is one that uh we will come back to later. I've got I've I've got some conspiracy about this one, but I don't want to do it just yet. I wanna I wanna wait. I wanna wait on this one. Yeah, we gotta I don't wanna do another shot yet. <laughs> Any shortcomings songs have on this album? I mean, just like thinking of a song like Ready to Die at a live show, I could foresee Andrew W.K.'s crowd creating a wall of death, and then you just hear that little toy intro, and then just as soon as the band kicks in, just huge-ass mosh pit to this like really upbeat, fun metal song. I was like, God <laughs> damn, I miss shows. I miss them so much. Yeah, it just kept making me think about like, this would be so much better if I were hearing it live. I just want to hear it live. Yeah. But after this uh, song, I mean, as I said, the first um, four songs, they're just relentless. Take It Off is the fifth song. I do like it, but I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, it's one of my favorites. I mean, do you all have anything special to say about it? I think it was at this point in the record that I started thinking like, wait, are all these songs in the same tempo and maybe in the same key? And then, uh, again, like I said, I was reading the lyrics and actually wrote down some of the lyrics. Uh, I wrote, I'm not expecting much from that department, but this is one of the lyrics. Uh, we know when you're hitting the rack, we know we go back. You're, yeah, we know we go back. We know what you did in the sack because you, you never look back. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm 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 about to cry. That was so beautiful. That yeah. was so beautiful. Uh, it's so just a real quick uh, a quick quick YouTube search of Andrew WK Wall of Death, and uh, the first live footage is from Ready to Die. <laughs> oh no exactly. way! Exactly. I told you that's a Wall of Death song. <laughs> that, that makes sense. You know, I would like to hear that intro playing and him him being like the Lamb of God lead singer, like I want to see a Wall of Death, and it's like ding ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kills one of his fans. <laughs> well, oh, oh my god! <laughs> it just got dark in here. Dave, stop doing visual gags. <laughs> that was for you guys. Yeah, this is just for us. Just for us. It is. We're at the halfway point for the record, and I think at the halfway point comes my least favorite song on the record. I what? love New York City. I, this what? song is so cheesy, and I can't help to think that it is only on the album. 
because this album came out in November 2001, which is so close to 9/11. You can you can actually what? like act this this is like this is like you can get fucked. You can 100 100% get fucked. That song is a fucking banger. It's so catchy. I, I was listening. I was listening to it when I was on a walk today, and I just that as soon as I mean, obviously the whole album is is you know this way, but I love this song. And as soon as the kick drum hits on it, I'm just like, oh my god, got a got a new like kick in my step. Yes, let's get going. This is a great walk, you know. So you can get fucked, buddy. It's a great I'm, song. I'm, I'm right in the middle with it, Adam. What do you think of this song? I don't think it's terrible. I also don't <laughs> think it's just put there because of 9/11, which is yeah, me neither. Weird. Yeah, new conspiracy theory. New Andrew WK <laughs> conspiracy theory. I love no. New York City is here just because of 9-11. I don't think it's weird. I, like, I, I, I was, okay. I, I feel like I'm being gaslit here, so I'm just going to back away from that. No, you did this yourself. Fine. You did this yourself. I'm just going to back away until the next song, which is my favorite song on the album. So whenever you guys are done gushing about a t- t-shirt logo of a, a song, uh, it, I'll be it ready. Is a good, it, is, it is a good song. Also, also, when do you think that he, like, w- when did he record this album to when he could have just quickly thrown that in? Because the Dude, recording shoots was between... from the hit. No, but the recording was between 2000 and 2001. So somewhere within there, there's no fucking way that he went back to the studio after September 11th and recorded this song. And we then dropped it in the middle of the album. Ugh, it's just we so I, that's, oh, I didn't mean not... it as a hot take. I was just saying that. I, and it's not even that I don't like the song. Like, I could sing you the chorus right now because it is catchy to an extent. I'm just saying. So good. When we're talking about the rest of the album, it's probably my least favorite of the songs. <sighs> yeah. So good. Finally, though, in the last song, I was like, all right, the tempos are all the same. This song is finally a different tempo. It's slower. But mm-hmm. it's still. And then I it clicked in. I'm like, oh, yeah. Every song has the bass drum hitting four on the floor and it's all very driving and forward moving it's like i knew that but that's there are so many things that play into making this album at once be something that's really brilliant and well done and has the potential to be reviewed the way it was when it first came out and and the thing is also is that nothing about this album uh on on a musical level is complicated you know, no. this is a fucking party dance album. If you if if you took the arrangements and redid them like in Ableton and made it like an EDM record, it would work just the same, I bet. I bet it would work like close to the same because these are all just fucking party dance songs. Well, later on the album, I wrote that uh, I can't remember which song it was, but one of the songs could have been rewritten uh, to be like a 50s doo-wop song. You know, early Beatles could have played that song, and it's like, right. oh, that makes sense. Chord progression-wise, lyrically, it all sounds like it's not from this from this time period. Yeah, yeah. And also, really. Hagen, I agree with you though on the dancing. I wrote in my notes, making me want to dance. Why did you write that down? Because it ma- it making me want to dance. <laughs> it's very straightforward and shooting from the hip of you, Dave, to say that. Yeah, is is that a new song that Moniker did the other day? <laughs> yeah, we recorded a song, Make Me Wanna Dance. <laughs> yeah. Adam, you heard it, you know. <laughs> so moving into the seventh track on the album, She Is Beautiful. This is my favorite song on the album, and I think I only say that because I, I, I knew Party Hard to an extent, but listening to She Is Beautiful, it has like a really cool, the dan da 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 it has like a really cool like intro guitar uh, gallop type thing. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's not complicated. Yeah. 
it's not difficult, but it's super catchy. And then the song is just talking about, you know, a girl is beautiful and that's all he needs in the world. The girl that he's infatuated with is beautiful. And I was like, damn, that's so positive. And there's a part right before the second uh, verse where he says like something that she is beautiful the only thing I needed in the whole wide world and when he does that everything drops out except for his vocals and the drums just uh, playing a really straightforward beat bum, which bum, in bum. most which most songs you wouldn't think like okay well you know that that doesn't sound like that'd be that big of a deal but when we're talking about an album that goes from you know such big uh, compressed uh, sound of so many guitars, bass, synths, and drums, and vocals to just vocals and drums for like two seconds. It it was so powerful, and I, every time it does that, I get this kind of like that feeling in your chest, like when the roller coaster goes down and you feel kind of like that lightness in your chest. Oh, I feel I that. that. I hate that feeling. But then it takes me right into the chorus, and I'm like, hell yeah! And like, I, I fucking love this song. It's so good. This was the second single, right? Thanks. So. Uh, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Was yeah, it was party hard and she is beautiful. Yeah, or at least the, these were the two songs that had uh, music videos. There were technically four singles according to Wikipedia, but whatever. Yeah, so I love this song. Sounds like you guys didn't think much of it, so we can move on. No, I mean it's a great song. I'm just I mean, still mad at you. I'm just still song, mad at you from not, before. So. You know. I think it's great. I think it's my favorite song on the on the on the record because of the the way that they change the riff the main riff it's like some it sounds like it would be like a pull-off riff where you're like you know let, letting those notes go but they change it in such a cool way there was some uh interview or something i saw or read about where it was like there are no minor chords in this album and i'm like that's stupid first of all no but um in this song, there's a change in the main riff that's like really, really hip. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, yeah. The the whole the whole concept. Uh, he he said that he wanted this to be like a, a happy like major key album, and he said that it was uh, it was all about his. Uh, he he liked musical like uh, childhood music stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I agree that like having it all be major is dumb, but I mean it works. It works here. So like I I, I like. It's a stupid like intention, but it was never wrong. No, yeah, but it's just cool to hear like the stereotypical uh, chord progressions that are typically associated with some of these pop punk influenced bands, and having them get changed slightly to where that's what really made me think like, oh, these guys are all really great musicians, and they're just playing really simple music and stirring things up a little bit, and it's yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's the story of this whole fucking album. Um, you know, this next song is the last song to have party in the title. It is called Party Till You Puke. And I would argue it is the heaviest song on the record. And the vocals at some point just kind of degrade to just him yelling party till you puke, which it has no like melodic sense. There's no like, <laughs> I can't pinpoint a note that he's singing. And there's literally somebody I was listening to it and headphones today and i was like there is somebody in the background like just actually screaming like they're not singing they're just yelling and i was like man it fucking worked i if you were to tell me <laughs> to do that on an album i would be like no that's a bad idea bad idea but i was like wow they fucking nailed it it's so good it's awesome we got to come up with something negative to say about this album guys 
Uh, the lyrics are horrible throughout <laughs> the entire record. In case you couldn't tell that I think that way, I'll take I, us. I'll take. A, I'll take us down a negative route once Dave's done with this. I, no, I was just gonna say it. Like I keep writing in my notes, like uh, the song is very annoying lyrically. But again, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's very true. I mean, what? Like, if, again, you can't listen to this for for some kind of amazing lyrical enjoyment. I mean. There's, there's just music that just doesn't work like that. I mean, it's not like we listen to all the metal that we listen to because we're trying to find deep meaning in the lyrics. Sometimes you can. I'm not saying you can't in, in those situations, but like a lot of times you have to sit down and really go through the, like the lyric book or listen to the screaming so intently. We're listening to this for a different reason most of the time. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's time to party hard for uh, Adam's bachelor party and for another conspiracy theory. This is a simple one. And it's an interesting one. So, this is a very uh, this is this is, this conspiracy theory was made by someone in the music business, like an, an, an industry person, and then was picked up by the Guardian. Uh, this is this has been, and I'll, I think also uh, BBC also picked this up at one point. So the conspiracy is that Andrew WK is actually an elaborate hoax devised by Dave Grohl. That Dave Grohl is actually Andrew WK, and that this is all a big hoax. What do you guys think about that? Well, you, you lost me at the end. I, w- <laughs> I was with you if it was a, uh, you know, somebody he picked up and was like, "You're going to be the party guy." Dave Grohl is the center of so many conspiracy theories. There's the theory that he played drums for the band Ghost for a while. So I'm looking up Dave, uh, what the Foo Fighters was doing at that time, because that's well, well they, this would be well, well after Nirvana. Hold on, though. Before this album came out, part of how he got noticed was his mixtape got picked up by Dave Grohl, apparently. Yeah, and, and he, and, opened uh, for food which, he opened which up for like, Foo Fighters, which like kind of like which can kind of help the conspiracy yeah, theory in both does. ways. That can kind of that can kind of like prove and disprove it because that could easily be you could easily simply say that oh, uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters heard this and really liked it and they just let him open up. But low key, that's Dave Grohl opening up for himself. I mean, with it, his... was he on stage with him? I I don't know. I wasn't right. There. Have you I ever seen know. them in the same room? Have you ever seen the drummer from Nirvana and 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 Dave Grohl in the same room? So here's the <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. So the article that I found that has a lot of these conspiracy conspiracy theories on it goes on to talk about how this is like a very stupid conspiracy theory that it's so stupid that's that like somebody in the music business actually started this and that like actual publications have consider have have continued to like publish this and talk about it um it's it's a very and and then he continues to talk about how like you know this this is this rumor is continued and it started and i don't it doesn't make any sense um <laughs> the thing that i found very interesting was that one of the interviews i watched was from a guy who wrote a book about uh, i get wet and in that guy's interview he said there was a point where he's at like an event or a party with Andrew WK and Andrew WK was talking to Dave Grohl and he said it was really important for me to see them in the same place. He said it was really important that I actually got to see them in the same room at the same time. And I was like, I can't believe people actually thought this. People thought that they were the same person. I mean, he did have some controversy over him being a fraud. 
there was a big like this uh can't remember the name of the like steve something tried to uh they hacked okay. his website and said like okay. hey we're gonna steve mike is steve... a to- steve mike is a totally another conspiracy oh we're going there I, I no i'm not doing it because it is so deep it is insanely deep but the long story short is that steve mike is andrew wk that is the that is the so, whole the whole thing is that Steve Mike is is not an actual like it is someone accusing Andrew WK Andrew WK of fraud but it's a character that Andrew WK is playing. It it's also it used to be his uh, stage name or something like that. Yes, and then it so, became a group of people. So this is this is like this this goes unbelievably deep and there's like article after article after so many things. So uh, yeah, it's um. No, I mean the Steve Mike thing is like, and, and then and then there's like uh the like in that same interview with the with the book author or uh, it was it was the <laughs> the interviewer was like so have you have you talked to Steve Mike, and he was like I didn't really feel like I should address Steve Mike I addressed Steve Mike in the book and I didn't really want to address Steve Mike at the party last night, it's like um, and she was like okay so so what do you what do you think about Steve Mike, he's like. I, like I said, I don't really want to address it. People have addressed Steve Mike. And I just Googled Steve Mike, and it was like just a thousand different things. And it's like fairly agreed upon that this could be Andrew WK. It's fairly agreed upon this could be a group of people. It's like it's so – it's a it's a wild thing that I was like, I could talk about this one. Or I couldn't take I, – I don't, I, don't, I don't want to take us down that much of a fucking rabbit hole. I'm going to – I'm going to go ahead and say – this is something I've wanted to do for a while. We should, in the near future, do a conspiracy theory, music conspiracy theory episode. And we have teased the big Andrew WK conspiracy theory enough that if you want to hear the full lowdown of it, we can cover it there because it gets deep. And that might even be a fun recurring segment and not just a whole episode because there are so many conspiracy theories. I would love nothing more than to talk about conspiracy theories with my friends because every time I want to talk about conspiracy theories, no one wants to fucking talk about it with me. So it would be really great if I could just get it out somewhere. It would be really <laughs> great if I could just yell about some conspiracy shit. Some because most of the time I don't believe in it. It's just interesting and I want to talk about oh, it. But, I want to. I want to scream because if we say we don't believe in it, Spotify won't give us money for our show. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Good point. It's conspiracy. Good point. It's- uh, so I'm well, just gonna, go, I'm gonna go ahead and shotgun these last four songs because. Wait, so hold on, are you telling me Dave Grohl is not Andrew WK? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we get a final? <laughs> they were in the same room. They, Wait, people we... have seen well, it. Well, but people have Dave seen Grohl it. has you know seen aliens and stuff, right? So he's maybe a clone. Oh man, is that a? Oh shit! <laughs> All right, we have to do a conspiracy episode. Yes, that uh, that will be coming at some point, or it also, might be a recurring segment. As a great thing to that theory, as uh, Foo Fighters' new album is one minute longer than I Get Wet, so you know <laughs> oh. somebody needs to update the theory, and it's their party record, and it supposedly is the party record. Yeah, it's so funny. I just <laughs> Hagen, take a shot. I'm gonna shotgun these last four songs because I don't drink. So going into the um, ninth song on the album, Fun Night, this is a good song. I really enjoy it. Uh, it was in the old school soundtrack. Cool, if you like that movie. Oh, this one is definitely a disco metal song. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, then the 10th track, Gotta Do It, 
This is my other least favorite song on the album. It's nothing to say about it there. 11, title track, I Get Wet. I wish the album stopped here. Not that the last song is bad, but I think this would have been a good closer. Yeah, the uh, the horn parts on this one are really epic. You know exactly what this song is when you go into it. I mean, it's the title track. The song is called I Get Wet. You know exactly what it is. 12 is Don't Stop Living in the Red, which I think is, you know, trying to be some uh, positive upbeat, like, hey, don't stop living in the red. That's a good thing or something like that. Or like red is anger or I don't know what that means, but it's less than Yeah, I wrote down, uh, I don't know what living in the red means, but he really doesn't want us to stop doing it. It's less than two minutes long and it was in, it was licensed in a Target commercial. So don't stop living in the red. That is what I have to say about this album. Overall, I would give it a 10 out of 12 because I like 10 out of 12 songs. Anybody else got any final thoughts? I do have, like, I do want to say this real quick. I think one of my favorite things about this album and Andrew W.K. as a whole is this album and him are examples of, like, great examples of non-toxic masculinity that show it's okay to be masculine and do these things that are like quote unquote traditionally manly like being loud and aggressive but you don't or have hitting to be yourself an asshole. in the face with a brick for an album exactly <laughs> but he's not being toxic about it I, I i would put andrew wk on the levels of nick offerman and terry cruz i think he is one of those uh great yeah. examples of non-toxic masculinity also i would love to hang out with the three of those people at one time right sounds like sound, sounds pretty intense i would say so when it comes to the overall of this album, I think that, like I said, this is one. This is an album where I could listen to. Uh, I could listen to it and shuffle. I could put it in a playlist. I'm all gonna be. I'm gonna be all good to go. I will say that even though it's a short album, I could probably. I'm probably not a big fan of doing this entire album multiple times. Um, that that's something that you know, I, 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 I remembered re-listening to this. I was like, oh, there's a reason that I stopped listening to this album front to back. It's because it's just, it's, it's a lot. And I'm sure like if, you know, you're at a party or you're with friends or if you're even, even, even if you're just in your living room dancing by yourself and you're having a good time, this is a great album to put on. Uh, but you definitely, you definitely reach a point. Um, and I think that might be why, like, I love New York city is not a, like a, a favorite because I think it's in a weird spot on the album. And then she is beautiful is next. I All think right. that it's a, I think that it's a weird spot. I think that, I think that like, honestly, like we, you hit a point in the album where you're like, Oh man, this is, this is kind of a, a weird, like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then she is beautiful is like, Oh, I'm, I'm 100% back in because this song is perfect. Um, that's a fair point. And I do think that also, like, towards the end of the album, because, like, I Get Wet is a great song, but I do think that, like, Party Till You Puke is great, and then I kind of, like, there's parts in the end where I fall off. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, I, I'm not going to say, like, if I give it a 10 out of 10 or whatever, but, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's a great album. If you need to be lifted, if you need to be positive, this is a fucking great choice. This will only make you um, more more positive, more happy. It'll, it'll make you get up, give you energy. Um, and you won't have to think a whole lot. There's not a lot of like thought provoking things here. It's literally just a party album. In fact, don't, don't think a lot when you listen to this, just enjoy yeah. it because like it, I parallel it to if you went to a club that was like a metal club instead of a, a dance club where they're playing electronic music, this is like, 
in some ways because of the incessant four on the floor kick drum throughout the entire record and the high register piano parts throughout the high the whole record it's a dance album but it's very aggressive yeah and i don't know i I would give it uh in its genre whatever that means i would probably give it like an eight out of ten because it's really well done for me i would like to hear more um i don't know coherency in the lyrics but again what are you expecting i think jackson you mentioned earlier like you get what you get from this it's not like something to look deeper into yeah it's not complicated it's like your favorite comedy movie like you're not going to see an a24 art house film when you're listening to this album you're going to see your favorite comedy movie that makes you laugh and makes you feel good but at the end of it, it's not like you've really come out of it with a whole new perspective on a certain situation or life. The substance you get from it is from being an Andrew WK fan. Yeah. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Art can be just wallpaper. Like, there's nothing wrong with music being in the background or not giving you a, a new lease on life or something like that. It's okay to just genuinely enjoy something for what it is. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people have a like a really hard time accepting because I mean there, there's a lot of people who can can shit on like pop music or like electronic music because it doesn't offer any you know intellectual thinking or anything like that to it or any like you know uh, the lyrics are simple or they're about just like partying or, or doing drugs or whatever and it's like um it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to do anything that's like thought provoking it doesn't have to do anything like that and this album is a great example of it doesn't have to do that. It can simply just be what it is, and you can just enjoy yourself. Because, and I'll go back to the first time I saw him live. All I did was all I did was walk upon like walk up on this and enjoyed myself. That was it. I walked up on his show, and I had a great time. And I walked away. That was he was the only one that I went and bought his album after that Warp Tour because of that. And it was like it was just it was just simple pure enjoyment. And that's all. I, that's, that that was all it needed to be. It didn't need to be more than that. Adam, what do you what do you rate it? I mean, I don't have like a number score for it, but I think like to your point, Dave, for its type of music, it's pretty great. Yeah. Like for what it was trying to do and what it's trying to make you feel and and it's you know, it is like a positive feeling album, even if the message isn't really in depth because it doesn't it doesn't exist. Yeah. I have uh three quotes from reviewers if uh if I can have the time to say them. Uh, their feelings on the album. One reviewer from All Music quoted as saying, uh, they praised it as refreshingly simple and cleverly stupid. Pop Matters quoted as saying, uh, at its best, WK's music is a refreshing blast of skanky air on the current stale music scene, but at its worst, it's disappointingly monotonous, unoriginal, and very, very dumb. And finally, Stylus Magazine said, it is a worthless piece of rock product, 35 minutes of glossy, overproduced tripe. And so to kind of tie that off, as uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this, um, Pitchfork ended up giving it a 0.6 on its initial release. And that's a 0.6 out of 10. In 2012, 10 years after the album had been out, it had a reissue and there was a lot. Uh, it had, it is, you know, I would, you know, put this as, you know, one of those movies that comes out, doesn't get a lot of hype, 
but then gets a lot. Uh, it gets a uh, cult status, a cult follow- following among its fans as the years go on. I, I would say that this album and Andrew WK as a whole has become that. So in 2012, Pitchfork, who they are notoriously stingy with their ratings, um, unless you're just the, the next genius, they're not giving you anything but a six or below. They gave it in 2012 an 8.6, and they have referred to this as the uh, biggest mea culpa of uh, all time. I'm so glad I didn't try to say that because I. <laughs> mea culpa? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Mea culpa? Mea yeah. culpa? Yeah. I, I just stumbled over it and I freaked out. <laughs> what did that word? What does that even mean? My culpa. It's like, like uh, retraction? Exactly. Yeah. Like correction. correction. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that's what they said. It's the biggest mea culpa of all time. Uh, and I think score. a lot of their rears would uh, agree with it. Uh, so I did, uh, last thing I'll say is I did try to, uh, I listened to this album in two set- settings, one on the way to the studio to kind of get myself jacked up and excited and get to work, that kind of thing. And it really worked for that. Uh, it was great. Uh, it also helps that I found out that Biden won at the same time. So uh, who knows? Uh, but then also, I thought, <laughs> hey, it'd be really interesting to try and listen to it while I'm relaxing. So today, before we recorded, I put on a nice bubble bath and I put my headphones on and just sat there and listened to it. And Did I you still, really? Yeah, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, and mm. it didn't change it at all. I figured like, oh, well, maybe I'll not like this album in this setting, but I, I felt my heart racing and I was just kind of thinking it gave me time to kind of like visualize a live show. So I don't that would know. be like I, getting fanned and eating grapes while skydiving. It'd be like <laughs> listening to Carrie and Lowell while weightlifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a great idea, huh? Not a I try, great idea. I, I tried it. I tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have one more party time for us, uh, and it is it is something that, uh, like I said, I'm bringing back Ready to Die for this one, um, but this is something that is very, very relevant to what we've just been talking about, about the meaning of this album. People uh, like to talk about the meaning of this. So during the promotional cycle for I Get Wet, um, the, the, the title was claimed to be a reference of feeling excitement particularly the feeling of excitement as experienced by the human body, sweating, uh, tears flowing, saliva dripping, pulse racing, endorphins pumping. This explanation was uh, taken at face value and seemed to square uh, with the album's core lyrical theme, partying, right? That's basically it, right? That's pretty perfect. Yeah, that's not where I thought you were going. (laughs) Where did you uh, think I was going? South. Oh, come. Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one <laughs> okay so um there's a lot of people who uh debate this say the lyrics uh do not really go with the concept of partying and with this idea um some of the lyrics and some of the songs were were not very uh friendly to some people and they thought that it wasn't very much like it was a party so ready to die has the lyrics, this is uh, this is your time to pay, this is your judgment day, we made a sacrifice, and now we get to take your life. So a lot of people take some of those lyrics as an example of, it's not really like a party. Well, who wants to go to that party? 
And I raised my hand when I read that. I yeah, said, I mean, what I he's saying is like, party. we made a sacrifice. He sold his soul to the party gods. Right. And, you know, I'm going to take your life, meaning like you're going to do the same thing because you're about to fucking party right now. So there is also the uh, the fact that get wet is a uh, uh, old school slang for smoke dust used frequently when to trick another kid into smoking dust, which is pretty much the worst prank you can pull on another human being. Uh, dust is not a party drug. It is a chemical that allows you to experience your worst nightmares in the physical world. Mm. So uh, I don't know if you guys think that any of that is uh, actual proof that this album is meant to be anything but positivity and the feeling of the feeling of partying, right? I thought the, the description that they used for, for the promotional cycle, sweat, sweat, tears flowing, saliva dripping, pulse racing, endorphins pumping, and Dave's cum, all of it was like, absolutely absolutely spot on <laughs> nailed it no this album is so fucking positive and i mean whatever the rest of 2020 whatever the rest of the, you know this coming decade your life i would argue at least get into the song party hard and have that in your rotation right next to hey ya and any other of your like these are my upbeat party songs Put Party Hard on, because you bet your ass, whenever Hagen's allowed to have people over to his house to have get-togethers again, and he asks me, hey, what song do you want me to play? I'm not going to say Blackbeard by Mark Ribier anymore. I'm going to say Party Hard. Man, that's like the biggest, like, that's that's the biggest disappointment, but also the big, like, the best news I could hear. Like, that was, that was such a good meme for so long, but I'm happy you've changed. I'm happy your ways have changed into, into some party heart. That's some good shit right there. Anybody else have anything to say? Uh, cheers to Adam and cheers his to album. new bride. Woo! To Adam and the party gods. So the party gods and album, yes. So thank you all for uh, joining this, uh, joining us on our um, journey with the party gods. We hope that you take your own journey with the party gods soon. Go listen to this album. Um, if you're here, then you found us. So thank you for finding us. Uh, if you want to click that follow or subscribe button in whatever app you're using, that would be awesome. You can go follow us on uh, social media and you can email us if you really, really want to. But I'm pretty sure that's only reserved for one person. <laughs> uh, so thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. And fuck off. Party hard. <laughs> I'm cutting you out, Dave. I'm cutting I know you, out. you can edit it. I know you can yeah, do that. Yeah, he's got that.